Hello, everybody, and welcome to this festive edition of the Two Saints Show with myself, Mark C, and my co-host, Mark H. Season's greetings to you all. How are you doing, Mark? Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, just want to uh, say to all the listeners of the pod, you know, uh, Merry Christmas, and also our radio show, Merry Christmas as well. Um, and I hope you're all looking after each other again. Um, and apart from that, it was a, it's a bit of a difficult week for Saints on the pitch, I've got to say, mate. Um, yeah, a little bit. You know, it's always heart ruling the head when we do the predictions, but um, I think we all knew that Manchester City home and Arsenal away were going to be difficult fixtures. And yeah, to come out for one point, I suppose, you know, probably isn't that bad. But um, let's hope for better in the next two fixtures that we're going to be previewing later on the show. Well, and yep, and I think it's, um, it shows how far we've come that we're disappointed we didn't end up with two points or more. Yeah. So anyway, just let everyone know, coming up in the first half today, we have two Saints review of Saints Neil Man City 1, and we also have Saints in the press. So we've got a few short words for you, and when we've done those, we'll be straight back, and we'll start with our review of Saints Neil. Man, uh, Saints Neil, Man City One. Fiesta FM, Southampton, ninety-five point zero FM. Disclaimer: The following program contains language, views, and opinions that may be unsuitable for some listeners. This is not necessarily a view or judgment of Fiesta FM, its management, other hosts, or advertisers. The show is for entertainment purpose only and is not intended to defame, insult or offend anybody in any shape or form whatsoever. Listeners are advised to exercise caution in their own environment when listening to the show. It's the Two Marks, C&H, on the Two Saints Show, Fiesta 95FM. It's Mark C and Mark H. Mark my word, they're here with everything in the Two Saints Show. Right, welcome back. So, the two Saints review of Saints Neil Man City 1, City Hold Off Saints, Ralph Hassan we gave our maximum, and Nathan Teller, we should not be disappointed. So, City Hold Off Saints, yeah, it was kind of a bit of a rear guard action in the end for them, Mark, wasn't it, in the end? It was. I mean, I think the thing is, is City started really well, and I felt we sort of got caught out a little bit. Um, you know, they had they had the disallowed goal, offside goal, um, and and it was right rightly called. Um, and then obviously not long after that mark, it must have only been what two minutes. Um, and then obviously City scored their goal. Brahim started literally a minute, I think. Actually, looking at the commentary, I was listening to probably was. Probably, I'm, I'm trying to give, be a bit generous with my timings, but um. The, the thing I was going to say was, I, and kind of from there, you know, Saints did the thing of hope where, you know, you go down, <laughs> we'll come out and play. Um, the difficulty, I think, was, was Mark, that really at the end of the day, even though, you know, I, th- I think, you know, you can allude to it that it, there was plenty of effort, plenty of endeavour, People were giving their all on the pitch. I would, I would never question that on on right. you know on uh, Saturday, but but the one thing that I would say is is even for all the attack and intent and and everything else that went with that and yeah. people's commitment, 
because I have to say, I take I take issue with a comment that you made in 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 regards of quality. I still don't think there's enough quality in the side. I think the thing is we've got workman like player. You know, we've got one or two individuals that are quality, and then. Yeah. The rest of the team are workmanlike individuals who are currently playing at their maximum, right? Because obviously Ralph has been able to spend time on one-on-one sessions, I would have thought, with them. And they've improved improved as a result. Well, my point on quality was the fact that we have got um, we have got some quality up front, but that quality only works if you provide them service, which, to be fair, was quite woefully short in short supply, wasn't it, unfortunately, against City? And it's the second game in a row, really. We've not really cast out a lot of chances, isn't it? It's, so, it's, you know, as much as you may have quality, all players playing to their full potential, they can only realise that quality and potential if you give them the damn ball, can't they? It's, it's difficult. It's difficult when... You know, you you see that much of the ball because I mean, in certainly in the second half, Southampton seen a lot of the ball. Um, yeah. and, and one of the people, and he got man of the match for me, uh, KWP. Uh, he was playing man of the match because he was at any opportunity given opportunity. He was marauding forward. I don't. I'm not exactly sure. I think Ram Bertram was more conservative. In his approach, um, he wasn't getting forward as much. He, he was, as as I see it, he was much more reluctant. Um, maybe he thought he'd get beat for pace or whatever. Yeah, but I think he was more defensive minded. Yeah, sorry, defensive. I'd say this sort of our own half. But yeah. but, ha- but having said that, Mark, you are right to say this because the one thing I will say is. Plenty of endeavour, plenty of effort, plenty of try, you know, trying to move forward. But I think in the analysis, we didn't really lay a glove on City. And I still go back to I I think there's an issue with us playing the top the top six sides, you know? Yeah, I agree with you. There's almost like a mental block, isn't there, like you've said. Yeah. I just think they look at who's on the pitch, who they're playing, you know, not necessarily who they're playing against, but the individuals they're playing against. And I, and I just I just tend to think to myself, but you can't, the thing is, you can't afford to, you know, go 1-0 down the city and then decide to come out and play. You've got to be playing against them while it's 0-0. The thing is as well, I think we've got a mental block about playing the top six or the big teams, and we also seem to have a mental block playing against ten men, which we'll get to a bit later. But, um, yeah. It's very sort of, it mirrors it, mirrors it doesn't it, in, in a way, which is quite ironic in, in a way. Right. Yeah, it, to me, it, I definitely think there's some sort of a mental block there. And, you know, to be fair, football is much, football's as much about psychology as it is about what you do on the pitch, to be fair, which is something I think we both learned when Nigel Atkins was in charge. Yeah. Like, um, the psychology side of the game that Nigel brought in at St Mary's made a big difference, didn't it? So, you know, I think and I think that goes hand in hand in the modern game as well. To be fair, as much as sports science does. So, um, the main, yeah. mindset. There's no, there's no doubt about it. The mindset has to be correct, and yeah. it's not just against the sides. You know, that you've got a chance against, which, you know, I think that's where you've seen the significant improvement because we've gone away to the likes of Burnley. Right, and we've won games of football this season, right? But I, but I still think that when it comes to 
quote unquote the big six, there there is that mental block there. Yeah, and I think Ralph's hit the nail right on the head, and he's pretty much said what I said in the fact that um, Saints were actually quite brave. They had a lot of pressure, but we're lacking quality in the final third with the final pass and the final chance. And that was the problem. We have got the quality to trouble teams, but that quality was lacking on the day. So, um, you know, I, I totally agree with that on, on Ralph's, from Ralph's point of view. See, I, I, I say we need other quality, man. I, I, yeah, I, I think we probably do, but, you know, when you do have the quality we've got at the moment, which is limited, I'll give you, it is limited quality, but we do have a little bit there. Um, when we do have that quality, we have to make the most of it because we're not like a Man City, we're not like a Man United or whatever. We haven't got a, a plethora of quality, so we've got to use what little quality we do have and we have to maximise it. And against City, and obviously the game before before that, um, we didn't really maximise our potential, did we? And that's the problem we've got, I think. The problem is we've got a very small amount of quality and we've got to make that count. And I think in certain games, especially against City, we didn't make it count. It's a bit like the Big Bear Wolf. You know, we huffed and we puffed all day long, but we couldn't blow the door down, could we? I mean, it's it's ironic because you know, I, you know, we don't want to go back to things in in the in the sort of past week or yeah. so. But it's ironic. But then going into this game, I didn't hold out much hope of us getting a result anyway. So probably to keep it down to one nil is a result in itself. Um, but but then Mark having said that, you know, we went uh, we went away to Arsenal. Arsenal are in, you know, they're still in complete disarray. Oh. You know, as the result in the in the Caribou Cup showed, you know, yeah. i.e. the League Cup, um, and um, you know, you got you got to say that even though it's been a fantastic start of, to the season, that was an opportunity that was not and, and was missed. Absolutely, absolutely, no, I agree with that. Yeah, and, and that obviously moves on to Arsenal. Yeah, I felt that um, there was an opportunity missed against City because um, I felt we could have got a draw from that. But the Arsenal game, definitely. Ten men. Um, yeah, so I think that sums it all up quite nicely, actually. And also sums up the first section of the uh, of the show for today. So we're going to take a short break and then we'll be right back. And after that, we'll be doing Saints in the Press. The Two Saints Show, Fiesta 95FM with Mark C and Mark H. Fiesta 95FM, The Two Saints Show. Right, welcome back everybody. Saints in the press. Southampton women's fixture postponed. The Southampton FC women's fixture with Cheltenham Town in the National League Southwest was postponed, unfortunately, due to recent changes in the government's COVID guidelines. Sunday's fixture was postponed. Further details on the rearranged fixture will be announced in due course. Also, unfortunately, the under-18s were due to play West Ham on Saturday of last week, and that fixture was also postponed due to the fact there was a coronavirus situation at West Ham, sadly. So both those fixtures, unfortunately, were off, which is um, really disappointing. Anyway, moving on from those, Ralph Hassenhutl said that he's ready to call on Ibrahima Diallo, his summer signing, and giving him a first start for the club at Fulham on Boxing Day, with Oriol Romeo now suspended. Spanley had picked up his fifth booking of the season in 1-0 defeat to Man City on Saturday, and will now face a one-match ban. So it'd be interesting to see how that pans out, Mark. Yeah, I mean, when you, the, you know, I said the off, off sort of recording, but um, you know, we knew this situation was coming. It was, it was always going to happen. You know, he was going to get suspended at some stage. You know, um, this season, and unfortunately, it's at this point. Um, the, the amnesty for yellow cards doesn't come into effect until August the 16th. So, therefore, 
you know, he's got to serve the one match suspension. And like, like I said, you know, the hope would be that Ralph and the coaches have been working with the ALO because they knew this situation was going to arise at some point during the season. And the hope would be for all Saints fans that Diallo's ready to grasp his opportunity. Yeah, let's hope so. He's made um, six substitute appearances so far, the France under-21 international, and is obviously in line to replace Romeo next weekend. The common in suspension, the boss said it's not surprising we had two sixes with yellow cards on the pitch. You could tell, feel them trying everything to keep the game going. It was a good game from them both. But now Ibrahim gets a chance to play, and it's good that we have it. So, yeah, I'd certainly agree with Ralph on that one. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, is the, the other thing to say is, is as it stands, he's the only real option. You know, you've had Will Smallbone, who might have been an option there. You know, he got injured early on in the season and yeah. we haven't really seen him since. So he, he's the only logical, you know, alternative that you've got coming in either from the bench or in the current sort of first team squad. Yeah, I'd agree with that, definitely. 100% agree with that. Yeah, and the thing is as well, it's interesting as well, because obviously Aurel Romeo's been um, talked about how tweaking his diet over lockdown gave him a lot of food for thought. So it's interesting, obviously, off the back of Diallo's coming in, Romeo's obviously been in improved form this season, and he's putting it down to obviously his diet over lockdown and whatever. And to be fair, if you compare his, his diet to somebody juniors, then you can probably understand why he's um, not having issues with fitness and why he's probably been performing quite well, Mark, to be fair. I mean, I think, I think the thing as well is, you know, as we learn about nutrition and things like that there, you know, a change a change in diet can also help to prolong, you know, it helps with fitness, but it can also help to prolong your career. And obviously, Oriole's at the stage where he's 29 years of age. You know, I, I don't know how long he's planning to play for, but yeah. you would have thought that, you know, with the change in diet and everything else that's going on, you know, it doesn't look as, let's say, um, I don't think chubby is the word I'm looking for with him, but the midriff looks a lot leaner. Um, yeah, you know, um, and and you know that's that's more part of him really. Um, but it'll be a big miss against Fulham um, on Saturday. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, regards to changing your, changing your diet and sort of looking at your fitness regimes and everything else, I mean, you and I both talked about it before. Um, it, it proved what a difference a fitness regime can make and a diet can make. When you look at the way Danny Ings worked on his fitness, obviously he's, he's injured at the moment and that's, you know, by the by. But, you know, when he was working really hard on his fitness, it obviously paid off, didn't it? And with Romain, he's worked on his diet, he's worked on his fitness quite clearly and it's paid off. And he's in probably the best form he's been in for Saints, I think, for a while, Mark, to be fair. He's well, a good player, but yeah. now he's been very consistent. Yeah, no, I think, I think, I think we can all safely say that in terms of Oriole's career at Southampton, he's he's definitely in the best form, you know, since he's since he's moved to Southampton. And the thing is, is we're probably now seeing why Chelsea spent the money that they spent bringing him to Stamford Bridge, you know, because he's definitely. I wouldn't say it's a renaissance, you know, he, he's not that old, but he's definitely in the form of his career at St. Murray's, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely right. And that moves us on to the next story, which is Saints are set to tweak their transfer strategy. A lot of tweaking going on at St. Murray's, Mark. Tweaking of strategies, tweaking of diet, tweaking of fitness. 
make a few cheats in the transfer strategy transfer transfer strategy after the success of Theo Walcott, a signing that was way beyond the normal parameters that they set when signing a new player. Over the past seven years, the transfer strategy has been fairly rigid. They look for a certain kind of player, ideally between the ages of 21 to 25, some experience usually in a European league, talent, that talent, but yet to really develop it and hunger to succeed. But obviously some of the more recent signings, Walcott definitely, it's more a case of more experience, isn't it? And a little bit more age. Yeah, I mean, I think... Something that worked well for Saints back in the 80s, Mark, funny enough. Yeah, I mean, the thing, the thing that I would say is, is you know, fo- football kind of moves on. It, it, it was kind of, you know, I, dare I say, I never compare yours. Um, but there is a place, obviously, for having experience. Um, and the point has been proved that if you're able to bring in somebody like a Theo Walcott, you know, and and more importantly, Mark, you're able to bring them in where it's not costing the earth. You know, you've got to say that as well, because Southampton. The the thing is, is what what they're. I, I believe if you if you listen to what Ralph says and what the general just is from the club, they're basically saying that if if a person, you know, irrespective of age, you know, is right for the club in terms of, you know, maybe not having to pay too much of a transfer fee and maybe not paying exorbitant wages, then obviously that's a path they're going to look to go down. And and, and the thing is, is I think we both know, you know, as you've just said, but we both know that you can't really beat a blend of youth and experience. I think you you need both. You need both, and well, I, it can't be a coincidence, can it? That the season we finished second to Liverpool in the in the first division, it can't be a coincidence that that team was made up of seasoned professionals, you know, of a certain age, but with experience and a mixture of youngsters, and that was one of the greatest teams we've had. So you know, it can't be a coincidence, can it? It's a model that's worked before. I mean, strangely enough, yeah. I mean, the only the only the, the only thing that I would add to that would be that you know, I think. The thing is, is for, for the club, it's more about doing things kind of in the in the right way and within the financial constraints that it finds itself. Because the thing is, is I think with the changes with the transfers and you know everything else that's going on, I think that it's going to be more and more difficult for us as a club to sort of you know bring in that new talent. Not not only yeah. that. Not only that, not only that, the other argument would be that when you look at Southampton, the problem is, is as well, and we just highlighted it in the last article, right? Diallo's playing on Saturday. You know, the thing is, is would Ralph not like the option of maybe having a more experienced head as an option? You know? Because the thing, the thing is, is like, and I, don't get me wrong, I want to see all these players, but, you know, we've, we've signed two players in the transfer window, Diallo and uh, the Garnan centre-back, right? And the thing is, is they will have to learn, right? And it's going to probably take them a season and a bit to learn in the Premier League, whereas if you're able to bring in, say, a 29 or 28-year-old who has relative experience, who isn't going to cost you the earth, you know, 
do what the manager wants to do. And, and, you know, you can afford them within the financial constraints of Southampton FC, then the mate's a no-brainer, do it. It's the same thing with Theo Walcott. Now, don't get me wrong, I have my reservations about Theo, but the thing is, is, you know, once I realised that we weren't paying the earth for him, because let's be honest, we would have been paying over £100,000 a week for him. plus. Yeah, exactly. You know, and you sit there, but... But having understood that we're only paying something like around what is it, forty-five or something like that, there, you know, it's it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer for the club to to, to bring him in. Um, and I see there's fans calling for the deal to be made permanent. Let's see about. All I'm going to say is let's see about that in the summer. But certainly, in terms of tweaking the strategy. I think I think it's right to do it. I, I really okay. do. You know. Well, the thing is, you've got to move with the times, and you've got to be flexible, aren't you? You can't just stick with a rigid transfer strategy because we've seen in the past when the club have been quite rigid on things that it's backfired massively. You know, and we've lost good players, and we've also lost the captain at one point as a result of the club being very rigid. You know, we all famously remember Jose Font leaving, and that was down to the fact that obviously Les Reeb was very rigid in regards to the contract that that they were offering Font, wasn't he? Font, yeah. obviously, was quite evident that was quite feeling quite strongly that he had plenty to give. And the fact he's continued to play for Portugal and whatever since leaving Saints kind of proved that, didn't it? So yeah. um, and I agree been, they do need to be able to bend. And, and, and while we've been while we've been doing what we've been doing, which is fair enough, you know, Fonte's been playing in the Champions League. So, you know, because yep. the argument was, was we don't want to give him, you know, two years, we want to give him a year because he's, because he's, you know, is le- the perception was, although people never came out and said it, the legs is gone, and that was Les Reed's perception. I don't care what anybody says, but for the sake of another year, he probably would have, you know, been at the club for a while longer. But it's quite evident he could still be playing at the top of his game at the moment, Mark, to be fair. So, um, definitely a serious error there, I'd say, definitely. So, yeah, you've got to be flexible. And talking of being flexible... I wish the club would hurry up and get this one sorted out. Ryan Bertrand's come out and made it very clear he wants to stay at the club and he wants to stay long term. He says he'd like to stay at the club beyond his playing days and he still thinks he's got plenty of years left. I'd agree with him there. I, this is one of these Jose Font situations, obviously, developing the fact that he wants to stay. He's only asking the club to give him kind of, you know, probably what he feels he's worth, which is probably not, to be fair, an unfair co- comment for him to make. But the club needs to just give him the contract, don't they? Right. You know, I don't understand it. In these situations, why we just faff about, to be fair. I get that Ryan might be wanting a little bit more money or whatever, I don't know, but he seems quite happy where he is. It doesn't seem as though he's asking for the half. I don't understand sometimes the mentality of our club where they can't just go to Ryan, right, here's the contract, you know? Okay, he clearly so wants to stay, sort it out. I had, a look, I had a little look at this, Mark, right? So Ryan's currently earning £72,000. Now, as far as I'm aware... The club have moved, made an improved offer. If it was up to me, you know, I would, you know, I wouldn't be paying him over the hundred grand, right? I wouldn't be paying him it. Um, you know, I was surprised to see that Shane Long, whenever he he uh, signed this new contract, it was more or less on the same terms as his old contract. Now, I would have thought that there might have been room for the turnaround and say you know, you're not going to be playing regularly in the first team although you're, you know, you're a first team squad member 
on that basis, you know, would you be agreeable to a bit of a wage cut? But I suppose what I'm trying to get at is, Mark, is obviously he wants a decent payday, right? You know, that, it, it probably won't be, you know, it probably will be his last contract because he's actually talking about hopefully being able to take up a coaching role at the club and sort of carry on the philosophies of some of the better managers, certainly mentions Ralph and one or two others. And um, I, I like the I like the idea of it if he's prepared to commit. And my own thoughts are, you know, a, de- a deal can be struck that's probably within the grasp of the club and something that Ram would be happy with. I don't he, think. He, he I, actually, I, I don't actually think you know a deal's a million miles away. No, he's actually been asked himself, and he actually did say himself that um, when asked about it. I don't think it's too far away. It's in the club's hands, to be honest. So you know, there you go. It is in the club's hands. He said, and the thing is, he's had his share of his share of critics, but it's important to point out he's been Mister Consistent. I mean, very rarely has he put in a performance that's been below about eight out of ten. So um, you know, he's been Mister Consistent. Really, he's had his share of critics. He's had the odd game here and there. It's below par, but you you won't find many strings of games where he's been below eight out of ten. To be fair. Man, I, I would still say at the end of the day, the yardstick for me is he's one of the best English left-backs in the Premier League. And, and so, yeah, on that basis, give him the deal, Saints. Come on, get it sorted. You know? Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the thing that worries me is, is, just on another point, but we're not going to talk about it, is yeah. the Danny Ings situation, because that's gone early quiet. Yes, it certainly has. Yeah, um... I mean, the thing is, he's got that hamstring injury at the moment, hasn't he? Which um, probably doesn't help matters. But, um, yeah, it'd be interesting uh, to see what happens on that one. I think, anyway, I think what it is, Mark, is that the, the club are planning to make an announcement probably on Christmas Day that they both right. sign new contracts. And that's that's the Christmas presents to all the Saints fans out there. We'd make a change instead of some doom and gloom, wouldn't it? Be nice to be positive. Come on, Saints, give us a Christmas present. Anyway, talking of Christmas and Christmas presents, it's Christmas week, and while it's going to be very different for most of us this year, yet very, very different, some things stay the same. There's still lots of football. Sadly, not many fans will be able to watch the games, and even less now that, obviously, we've had the news that we've had this afternoon, sadly, we're going into Tier 4 on Boxing Day. So, anyway, coming up for you, there is a rundown of the games that are on and where you can watch them. So, this is Saints Festive Fixtures, Boxing Day, Fulham versus Saints, 3pm Sky Sports. Tuesday, December the 29th, Saints versus West Ham, 6pm at Amazon Prime. Monday, January the 4th, Saints versus Liverpool, 8pm Sky Sports. Obviously, subject to any further rule changes, um, supporters would have been permitted, but obviously they're now not going to following um, the news that came out today, unfortunately. So, um, I mean, yeah. I, just, I just thought... It looks like most of us are going to be watching on TV, sadly, everybody. Yeah, I just thought, and it was quite apt, I just thought I would add that, Mark, as a reminder to people, you know, that, you know... Even if you can't get to the game, which sadly now nobody can, you know, yeah. you know that you can at least watch it if you're subscribing to those channels. Absolutely right, absolutely right, absolutely right. There you go. So there we go for everybody. So we're just going to take a very short break now, and after that, coming up in the second half of the Two Saints show, we have. Other football news, Saints transfer news and gossip, two Saints preview of Fulham versus Saints and Saints versus West Ham. So we'll be back very soon. It's the Two Marks, CNH on the Two Saints Show, Fiesta 95 FM. Welcome back, everybody. So, other football news. 
he finally Wembley final Wembley finally Wembley final moved from February to April in hope more fans can attend you know on, on at the end of the day take on it is is it it's a it's a sensible move because you know you don't want to be having any sort of showpiece final at Wembley without a crowd um and that, and that's our perspective of people making money or anything but you know the powers of be the football league certainly wouldn't want to have their showcase cup final you know, played in an empty stadium. So I can understand why, you know, they want to try and delay it to give it a maximum chance to sort of have some sort of supporters in there on the day. And hopefully, I mean, okay, it's not looking clever at the minute, but hopefully that that may be achievable in April. Yeah, let's hope so. I'm keep our fingers crossed that will happen. So we'll move on to the second headline we have for you guys. Jefferson Loma, the Bournemouth midfielder, has been charged with, bite, with a biting offence versus Sheffield Wednesday. Oh, OK, I've got a Bournemouth player who thinks he's Luis Suarez, is he? <laughs> I think the, the, the thing, when I, when I, when I seen the, the article and I, and I read it, obviously this was an incident in Bournemouth's last league game. Um, and, and the thing is, is, is I'm, I'm beginning to wonder, is it, is it a mentality thing of the South Americans? Because it seems to be every time I'm reading about a beating incident, it's 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 either you know Central Central America or, or South America, and you, you're sort of you know a South American involved, and you sort of sit there and you think to yourself, you know, why why are you biting an opponent in the first in the first instance? I mean. You know, I, I get it if you're sort of you've gone. Well, I don't, I don't actually get it. I'm, I'm trying to think in what circumstance would you be biting an opponent? Any ideas, Mark? Absolutely crazy. Just absolutely baffled me. But obviously, madness. I, I would have thought that there's going to be appropriate action taken, and whether you know whether it's you know a man's innocent until he's proven guilty. So. Let's see what happens. But obviously, if he's if he's proved guilty of the offence, you know, does that mean to say that he's going to miss, you know, a big a big chunk of the season? Because that would be a big miss for Bournemouth, given where they are in the table at the minute and they're going well. Yeah, no, yeah, I think it's a very silly thing to do. And to be fair, given the current climate, it's absolutely irresponsible, isn't it? It's one of the most irresponsible things you could do. You know, this virus is going around. Even footballers are getting it and contracting it. And he's going around biting people. Yeah, that, well done, Jefferson. That ain't going to spread it, is it? You know, the club are saying they support him, and I get that, but I don't see how they really can on this one. I mean, right. the rights, and there's not an awful lot you can say about it. But it's very responsible. Anyway, talking of people trying to be a little bit more responsible, but this is slightly worrying for, obviously, the fans of this club in question. Burnley Takeover. Mohamed Al-Kashashi and Chris Farnell have pulled out of a potential deal. The Egyptian businessman Mohamed Al-Kashashi and solicitor Chris Farnell have pulled out of a potential deal to buy Burnley. The pair's bid was being considered by the Premier League along with a rival offer from ALK Capital, but there's not yet, yet been any ratification. It's understood there's been no contact between Al-Kashashi, Farnell and Burnley chairman Mike Garlick for six weeks. ALK's is now the only bid on the table. So that's slightly worrying for Burnley fans, isn't it? And Sean Dyche will be Spitting feathers and probably apoplectic, I would have thought. 
he'll be he'll be levered that I mean uh, well he'd probably be levered but he'd be disappointed obviously that the deal's you know not not now happening by the looks of it. Um it, it, it's a bit of a choker for the Burnley fans as well, man. I mean the thing is is they're probably one of the last sort of clubs that's sort of run by let's say local businessmen yeah, or exactly. people who who don't really have the financial claim and and the thing is, is with that having formed by the wayside, you know, are they going to be able to find another bear? Uh, uh, you know, I, I mean, the thing is, on the flip side, I suppose, you know, Burnley's had a bit of an upturn in results on the pitch, which is good news, you know, if you're a Burnley fan. But in terms of that, in terms of the takeover, you just wonder whether they're actually going to find you know, now find someone to take over the football club. I, I can't see it for a while myself. I mean, let's hope it happens for their sake, but there we go. So moving on from there, staying north of London, Nuno Espirito Santo. The FA have contacted the Wolves boss over criticism of referee Lee Mason. How dare he? <laughs> Wolves <laughs> boss Nuno Espirito Santo has been asked by the Football Association to explain his comments criticising referee Lee Mason. I don't think he needs to explain them because it's quite obvious what he meant. He said... The way in which he handles players worsens the flow of the game. Well, that doesn't require any explanation. It's there yeah. in black and white. And can, can I, they can't work that one out. Can I just say, even though they've asked him for his comments, he came out today and reiterated what he said. He actually came out and said what he said twice. So there's no, there's no ambiguity there at all. I'm like, you know, it, so. it makes me laugh because they're saying that this is the problem with the FA, right? There's too much bureaucratism. There's too much red tape. That's a big one. Too much red tape and everything and all this other rubbish, right? The man was very clear in what he said. He's reiterating what he said. And then you hear the FA going, the FA will decide whether to act once it has received his observations. Well, you received his observations. Not only have you received them after the game, you've also received them again today. How clear do you want him to make it? And, uh, I mean, all, all I'd say about it, Mark, is um, dude, I think there's a degree of sympathy for me with with Nuno, but at the yeah. same time, I've got I've got to say, right. I'm I'm beginning to think is he maybe feeling a bit of the heat at the minute because. Wolves seem to have lost their mojo slightly a little bit. I mean, I'd agree with you. obviously, Ralph, losing Ralph Jimenez was a body blow for them. And, you know, at the end of the day, he's, he's everything to them. You know, he's their talisman. It's a bit like Danny Ings, really, for us. Um, yeah, so, I agree. So, you know, I'm, 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 try, I'm trying to work out whether he's talking about the referee in a desperate attempt to sort of deflect any criticism against them, you know, because I think I think there is a little bit, there's a certain minority of Wolves fans, Wolves oh, fans right. who are gathering at the gates for him, you know. So I just think it's a case of, I just think it's a case of sort of watch this space, but but certainly you know the thing is is I hope what I hope doesn't happen is he gets hit by a big fine by the FA and then he gets censored where. You know, you've seen uh, managers in the past come out and say no comment because basically the FA censored them. You know, because I want to hear what the what the managers have to say. You know, yeah, even if they agree with it or not. The bottom line is, are they trying to sanitise the game, or do they want the game to be played in the right sort of spirit? And at the end of the day, why well, shouldn't you be able to question officials if you feel they've got it wrong? 
you know, we had a blatant, two blatant penalties in the last Saints game that we felt should have been given that didn't even get referred to VAR. Damn yeah. right you should have the opportunity to challenge something that you think is wrong. If you feel there's an injustice in the world, you go out and challenge it in court, don't you? Why shouldn't you be able to challenge the FA if you think something's not right? You know, how much do they want to sanitise the game? And that's what worries me. I just think they're trying to sanitise the game too much. But having, having said that, you know, it, just, uh, just around this bit of, from my point of view, you know, it's been a long-held belief, not just by managers, but, but by supporters. And I count myself as one of them where, you know, I, I think that the TV should be able to interview a referee. If a referee wants to come out after, you know, it's totally up to them. But if a referee wants to come out after a game and explain some of his on-the-pitch on decisions... I think it would be it would make for more for much more of an interesting debate after games. I tell you as well, but yeah, you know, I think we're going to see it somehow. So we move on to news of the goat, as he's referred to by a lot of different people. Lionel Messi scored his six hundred and forty fourth goal for Barcelona during their recent victory to break Pele's record of the most most goals for one club. Yeah, unfortunately, Lionel, um, Peter Crouch was quick to point out that his tally of two goals for 644 clubs still stands. <laughs> but anyway, um, fantastic feat from Messi, you've got to say, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, my goodness, I mean, you're, you're passing an icon, you know, the man, the man, if you like. More. To, put in, to put that in perspective for anyone listening in, in order for somebody to beat that record, OK, you ready for this, everybody? The person in question, in order to beat Lionel Messi's record, would have to score 45 goals a season over the course of about 15 years. This is a record that's not likely to be beaten for quite some time. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 the thing is, is I'd be interested to see if that is beaten because, the, you know, that, that shows that you have to sustain a certain level over a hell of a long period. I mean, some players don't even get 15 years in the game. Yeah. Um, so, so. You know, it's it's an incredible defeat whenever you put it like that, Mark. It's funny, but when you said the GOAT, I thought we were going to start talking about Sean Gouda. <laughs> well, I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will one day, Mark. I think you remember he haunted us a couple of times when he played for Man City, if I'm not mistaken. You know, I have to say, because you know I can be a bit cynical when it comes to modern era football, but that's a hell of an achievement by uh, Lionel Messi. Yeah, take, take a bouncer. Take a bouncer. That's all we can say to that. Um, will you probably go down as the greatest of all time? Or if it's based on goals alone, yeah, you probably will go down as one of the greatest of all time. You're probably in the world's top three at the moment, to be fair. So uh, there we go. Anyway, moving on to some news that is um, slightly sadder, actually. Um, football and dementia. A group of ex-players and politicians have called for an urgent review. Yeah, um, I think they certainly do. And obviously, Novi Style's son's come out in the last couple of days, Mark, and stated that he feels very strongly that his dad's death was down to um, heading in football. It has, so, yeah. Um, yeah, another, sadly, yeah, number, another member of the 66 World Cup squad who's, who suffered from um, concussive blows to the head. Yeah. That's the best way it, really. The, 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 the bit that you're referring to is his, his son, John, came out um, and basically has, has, has said... That you know he he holds dementia basically in the head the head of the football responsible for the death of his father you know it's very sad to read but the thing is is I know it's late in the day but at least that you know steps are now being taken in in the right direction and but it, it just should have happened so much quicker and so much sooner. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how many more footballers have got to suffer until they actually decide to set up and do something about it? So let's just hope this task force are bringing in concussion subs and everything else. Just get it sorted out. Stop faffing about with it. It's got to happen. It's got to happen now. It should have happened years ago. It's 15, 20 years too late, in my opinion. Yeah, let's I mean, get on with it now. Stop you know, faffing about it and get on with it. Actions speak loud and words, don't they? We spoke about it before where, you know, you've got concussion substitutes in rugby league. And like, like I said, whenever we spoke about the article of a few episodes back, you know, the thing is, is, Mark, the concussion subs, you know, is one that I don't have an issue with because it's all about that. Something like that is certainly all about the player's welfare. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree with you there. All right, move on to the next story. Southampton could reignite interest in Damari Gray. This is a player who first came to the um, for um, Ronald Koeman was quite interested in recruiting Mark, I do believe. Yeah, we were, we, if you remember the January window of 2015, we're interested in signing Damari Gray and Sam Barham at the time. So it was a, it was basically a right back and you know a winger. Um, so th- this one, this one's nothing new now. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. You know whether someone's decided, you know, because because. Leicester made the announcement that the Mary Gray was going to be made available. I'm not sure whether it's just journalists thinking, oh, well, at one point Southampton showed an interest in him. You know, are we going to... I mean, it has been suggested, Mark, and I'm going to throw this one at you, right? It's been suggested that maybe a swap deal with Leicester... Right, and Nathan Redmond going the other way could be a possibility. Do you know, I can think of a few Saints fans who'd probably go for that, actually, quite worryingly. Well, that's been suggested, you know, uh, and you sort of sit there and you think, actually, that's not as crazy as it might sound. Yeah, I've got to be honest, Damari Gray is a little bit more consistent than Redders, to be fair. And to be fair, probably does what Nathan doesn't do quite as well. In the fact, Gray's quite direct, actually, which is something that Nathan Redmond seems to have kind of forgotten about. He's yes. very good at but when he's done it, but he doesn't do it very often, does he? Yes, but before the deal's done, don't let on to the Leicester supporters if that's the case, yeah. because they they probably think Nathan Redmond's the better player, but trust me, if we, if we did a swap deal with them for Damari Gray, I'd be quite happy. You're right. So, moving on to the news that Southampton are rivaling a pair of Premier League clubs for the signing of defender Jorge Fernandez, according to the Daily Mail. The centre-back stands at six foot four and has been in fine form for Vittoria Guimaraes during 2020-21. His standout performances have earned him attention from Saints, Fulham and Newcastle United. Vittoria are enjoying a solid season and currently sit fifth in the Portuguese top flight. Um... Yeah, OK, probably fits the mould age-wise. Um, doesn't fit the mould price-wise, because I'd love to know we were getting 16 million quid from, Mark, wouldn't you? <laughs> yes, mate. Uh, as I say, my job's only to report what goes on during the week. You know, yeah, I, don't, I, don't make, I don't make the news, you know. Um, all I would say about that was, as soon as I read it, yes, we've got to cover it. But I think you and I both know that after signing Salisu in the summer... You know, I we're not going to be signing another centre back. I mean, maybe if it was the summer, you know, because again, Saints don't. You know, we've got to remember Saints don't like doing business in the January if they can help it, because you want to keep a continuity together. 
So it would be more likely that if a deal was done in the summer for one of our centre-halves, then maybe this bloke coming to St Mary's would be realistic. But to me, it's not happening. Not, yeah. not, not in the January window anyway. Yeah, and I was going to say also, just for another one in there quickly that I read the other day, um, it's a good job we got Carl Walker-Peters in because a rumoured Southampton target, former Southampton target, Joachim Mahler, is apparently joining Atalanta, Atalanta in the next window for €10 million. Euros. So uh, there we go. It's another one that's gone, one that got away, as they call it. That's if we were signing him in the first place, Mark, but I'm doubtful if we were. But anyway, he's going to Atalanta, apparently. Let's be fair. We were definitely interested at one stage, Mark, and... Um, yeah. Obviously, I've decided to throw that in that in there because you know you were definitely at one point. I mean, I, I think at one point you were going to drive them from Belgium to St. Mary's, you know. But thankfully, yeah, there was certainly a need there, wasn't there? Thankfully, Kyle stepped in and solved that problem. And Absolutely. as I say, good good luck to him. But you know, he's a lad that's wanted to move for a while. Obviously, he's managed to force the hand, you know. And uh, if he gets his move to Atlanta, good luck to him. Everybody, and then back with the two Saints preview of Fulham versus Saints and Saints versus West Ham. Fiesta 95 FM, the two Saints show. It's Mark C and Mark H. Mark my word, they're here with everything in the two Saints show. Right, welcome back, everybody. So, the two Saints preview of Fulham versus Saints and Saints versus West Ham. And starting out, last time out at Fulham, it was at Fulham 3, Southampton 2. Mitrovic in the 33rd and 63rd minute, Charlotte in the 43rd minute. Half-time, it was 2-1 to Fulham. Stuart Armstrong in the 18th and 53rd minute for Saints, brought it back to 2-2. Fulham ended up winning 3-2. The assist on the day for Cedric Suarez for Saints and Le Marchon and Sessegnon for Fulham. And in the return fixture against them, it ended up Southampton 2, Fulham 0. Romeo scored in the 23rd minute and Ward Prowse in the 40th minute. It was 2 0 to Saints at half time and ended up being full, uh, 2 0 at full time. And that was the 27th February 2019. And Saints actually moved out of the Premier League relegation zone. And when they left Fulham, 10 points from safety with a comfortable win at St Mary's on that occasion. Correct. So it's see how it pans out this time, Mark. But um, yeah, oh. that's, it's, it's not going to be an easy one, to be fair, is it? I mean, Fulham are playing for their lives, obviously. And we know that can be notoriously difficult. Um, I'm just looking at sort of transfers as well that. Um, that they've actually brought in Anthony Knockhart for ten and a half million, um, Anthony Robinson from Wigan for two million, and then Harrison Reed from Southampton. We all know about Harrison, obviously undisclosed fee. Kenny Tete undisclosed, Terence Congolo undisclosed, and Toysin, um Adarabio undisclosed. And we're also aware they've brought obviously they've brought in Mario Lamina as well. So they're quite well equipped, aren't they? And they do have a little bit of quality about them up front. And they've got Mister Lukman as well, who I think's. You know, one of their key players. Um, and David Reed, who obviously recently scored against Man United. Yeah, I mean, all, all I would all I would say is is I think there's a good enough team there to be able to stay up in the Premier League. It's getting all all the parts, all the same parts working together. Absolutely. I think it's the is the issue there, Mark. There's definitely enough enough quality there for them to be able to stay in the Premier League and uh, yeah, you know, if you're a Fulham fan you'd be hoping that you know Scott Parker's going to do it for them but just just all, all I was going to say was was obviously we have to be aware of Lukman as a threat you know thankfully Mitrovic I mean is he going to be playing on Boxing Day probably not which is a good thing you know I think the thing is is 
it's just be aware of certain situations. But I think if we go out and we're on the, you know, we keep saying in every podcast, we go out, we're on the front foot and we're positive. You know, I, I'd like to think there'll only be one outcome. I mean, going, yeah, I mean, going, going into these fixtures, you know, I had misgivings about the last two games because obviously, you're, you know, again, it's the mental block thing, top six, top, top, I say top six sides, the big six sides, right? Now we're playing Fulham, you know, Fulham are, let, let's be honest, Fulham are struggling for, for form, the fight, they're finding in patches. Let's make sure that we go out on the front foot, don't get turned over, at least don't get turned over, you know? Absolutely right. Uh, and the the other thing is is like I would just I would just say, uh, you know, my recollections of la- the last time we played them, which was two seasons ago, Stuart Armstrong's second goal in that game was an absolute worldly. And we we went one 0 up from him as well, but we just I don't know. It, lo- it felt like a, there was a bit of a capitulation from us going on at Craven Cottage that night. Or that day, and um, then obviously the the home game, you know, it it was basically a walk in the park. I mean, they were they were in disarray. We were in, we weren't in great form ourselves going out. The thing is, is the the main thing about last, you know, last, the two seasons ago, sorry, was that. You know, we were beating the teams around us that were expected to beat, certainly the teams below us. And obviously that helped in our fight to stay up that season. Yeah, I think you know, the important thing is um, go out to win. Go out on the front foot, go out to win. But um, it's more important, just don't lose. You know? yeah. If you can't win the game, just don't lose it. And that's the important thing at the moment, I think. And it just keeps momentum going that we've had you know okay our last unbeaten run came to an end after three games but let's go on another run we keep going on these little runs let's do it again yeah and talking of going on a run let's hope we can follow up the Fulham game with um what we do against West Ham but for me the Fulham game I'm going I'm going to go cautious 2-1 to Saints I'm, I'm going to go I'm going to go 1-0 Saints seems fair seems fair right we'll move on now to the um game coming up against West Ham so last time out Southampton nil West Ham won it was half time was nil one uh, the attendance was actually 27,000 at St Mary's Stadium. This was the 14th of December 2019. West Ham United ran out 1-0 winners. Sebastian Hanner in the 37th minute, I believe it was, Mark. It and won. then the return fixture was, <clears throat> bear with me, Saturday the 29th of February 2020 at the London Stadium. Attendance of 59,000. And West Ham beat us 3-1. That was an absolute trouncing, wasn't it? Michael Oberfemi actually scored a rag off for Saints. It was. Um, who's Michael Obafemi? Well, he does still play for us, everyone. All, all I'm gonna, all I'm gonna say, Mark, is you know, from from my perspective on on those two fixtures, um, we didn't deal with the physicality that you know West Ham bring bring the games to have a certain robustness about them, um, even when they're not playing particularly well, and and we don't seem to. Uh, handle the physicality i'm hoping that you know we're a different beast now you know i'm saying this cautiously because i'm not i'm not totally convinced that we're a different beast and hopefully you know given that they're a bit of a problem child side for us you know we don't seem to be certainly recently in results form 
We don't seem to be have fared very well against them. And, you know, and they've had a few struggles in recent seasons against relegation themselves, but it just seems to be that every time we play them, you know, we, we struggle to deal, as I say, with the physicality. But hopefully it's a different story this time round because, as I say, even when we played them, you know, at that stadium, which I won't visit because I don't think it's a football stadium, but, um, you know, I won't go to the Olympic Stadium. But um, having said that, I mean, yeah, again, in the return fixture, they showed that, again, it was down to the physicality and it was something that we couldn't deal with. But like I said, hopefully we are a different animal and we're able to deal with it this time okay. around. Yeah, just looking at the players they've got in, they haven't actually recruited that many, have they, to be fair? But um, the ones that stand out, Thomas Susek from Slavia Prague, 15 million, and Vladimir Kufal from Slavia Prague for 5 million. Um, Frederick Alves from Silkborg, undisclosed. Uh, Remy Coddington, Bournemouth, undisclosed. Michael Forbes, Dungan and Swiss, undisclosed. Disclosed. I think you probably probably know more about Michael Forbes than I would, Mark. But I do um, know Michael Forbes, but um, what I was going to say... Ben Rama in on loan, so that's pretty much it. Not a lot of recruitment, really. Not a lot of money spent. But they've got a pretty good call there already. And obviously, they do have one Mikel Antonio amongst their ranks, don't they? Yes. Fawn in our side whenever we play him normally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all, all, of, all I would say as well, man, is like, I think actually that West Ham's going down an interesting route because it looks like they're cherry picking some of the better uh, Slavia Prague players. And obviously, you're not having to spend that much money. I mean, Suchak's been a revelation for them. You know, he's a goal scorer midfielder. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and at the end of the day, you know, the the relatively they didn't pay that much money for him. I mean, so uh, seemingly his his fellow compatriot who also came from Slavia Prague, the right back. I mean, he only cost something like five million quid. Now, admittedly, admittedly, he is you know twenty eight, but the thing is, is he's gone straight in there and he's slotted straight into that right back slot. He's made it, you know, he made it its own up until he got injured, I think, two, two, three games ago. But he played every game. So, yeah. obviously, they're, they have found a bit of a, a niche in the Czech Republic in Slavia Prague and buying some of their better players. Absolutely right. Well, it's not a bad window of shopping. I mean, we've got Jan Bednarek from there, and we've all seen how well he's done, haven't we? So uh, it's not a bad area to be shopping. It's yeah. quite a good area of the world to shop in, isn't it, to be fair? Poland, Czech Republic sort of area. But man, we we desperately, desperately owe West Ham at home. Oh, really yeah. do, really yeah, do. Yeah, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I actually, I actually, I can actually see this being a one-one mark. See it being a one-one. Funny enough, you didn't nick my result off me. I'm going for a two-two, man. I just oh. don't see. The thing is, is even though we've improved loads, I, I think it's going to be a good yardstick for us. You know, because it, it's 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 a side that we we've struggled to beat recently. So again, you know, over to you, Ralph. You know, prove us wrong. You know, do what you did against Burnley away. You know, get us three points against West Ham at home because we haven't had it for about the last three four seasons. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Yeah, we're looking for a bit of um. Good King Hassan who last looked out when we beat Fulham and West Ham at the end of in Christmas. December. In December. <laughs> so there we go. 
and that brings us really really brilliantly to the end of today's festive two sites show edition uh two festive edition of the two sites show even so it's goodbye from myself and goodbye from my co-host or hand over to you in a moment it's just for me to say i'll um, just remind you about our podcast which is available via youtube and facebook it's also available through lots of other platforms um if you check out the post that will be going up tomorrow that will tell you where you can see all of those different links so over to you mark well all of all i want to say is is you know mark this this is uh, obviously you know it won't be our last recorded show of the well it might be it might be the last recorded show of the year so I just wanted to say thanks for putting up with us. And uh, I'm glad that the friendship hasn't faced any strains through doing the podcast. I know we'll probably come close once in a while. But, um, no, thanks, mate. And uh, basically to the listeners, you know, Merry Christmas and try and enjoy it as best you can. But be sensible about what you're doing out there, you know, and take care of each other. Yeah, and, we'll see, and we'll see you next week. We yeah, will definitely yeah. see you next week for the New Year edition or or a, a seminal New Year edition, let's say. It might be recorded in December, but it's a New Year edition, people. Right. Yeah, and let's hope when we play for them in West Ham, we're all able to sit there and sing Simply Having a Wonderful Christmas Time. So uh, goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you again soon on the offside. Tune in again next week when the two Saints go marching in again. Bye for now.